0: x-rated movies i'm matt fisher i'm ryan whedon and we are two guys that used to date now we don't now what do we do ryan now we talk about movies matt just blew my house down you did the medium of cinema (laughs) i think my hard lemonade has gone to ryan's head (laughs) i'm coming in hard folks i'm ready to go well what what do you have on your mind today Ryan? well this
1: is a very important topic for us to talk about because we've never talked about it we're here at episode 167 something I've noticed with other podcasts I listen to is that they have a name for their diehard listeners murderinos for uh, my, my favorite, favorite murder, murder friends of DeSoto for the greatest generation probably chill chums for uh, Conan O'Brien needs a friend mm. yeah. free free idea guys So, I was wondering, Matt, what should we call our hardcore fan listeners?
0: Wow. Um, The low-hanging fruit is exes. Sure. But I feel like we need to save that for people that we actually, like, date for a little while. I think it would get confusing
1: if uh, our listeners were also exes.
0: Yeah. So. I mean, uh, some of our listeners I wouldn't mind being exes with. Oh. Yeah. They'll remain nameless for the time being. Okay. Okay. Um, Okay. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, did you have any uh, uh, brainstorms on, on the on the matter? No, Matt, that's why I'm asking you. You didn't, ha- you didn't come with anything prepared? No. You just like, I'll ask Matt
1: and he'll do it? Yeah. I've got my feet up. I'm <laughs> planning on you doing the work here.
0: I came up with the idea. <laughs> you did the hard labor of thinking of the idea. I'm the idea man here. Uh, the Raiders? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay, now we're getting there. Um, okay, yeah. You know, uh, the Tomb Raiders. Mm. Um, let's see. Uh, maybe they're R-rated, like O U R-rated, like they're our-rated. Hey, yeah. Okay. Now we're um, talking
1: about. Um, maybe they're they I so-
0: thrive under pressure, by the way. <laughs>
1: maybe they're like the uh, the MPAA, which stands for my personal. Uh, audience
0: association. associates yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey the the MPAA uh yeah sure that that seems reasonable mhm mm-hmm. uh uh
1: they could also be called um you got nothing. You
0: got nothing. <laughs> See, Coming up blank. It, it, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It, it, it's an organic process. Though. Right, 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 right. Because we usually just say, like, long-time listener or friend of the podcast or yeah. something just, along those lines. I don't know.
1: I, w- I was just thinking, like, it would be fun to give them a nickname, you know? Yeah. I think our, our listeners deserve that. I mean, you're the creative type here. I know. That's why I was outsourcing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My creative juices are squeezed. Oh, really? hmm
0: just all that time home alone you're just like i'm exhausted
1: yeah my creative balloon is now a (laughs) shriveled raisin wow of creativity which means it's very sweet but uh i guess maybe more than anything i wanted to plant that seed in our listeners minds you know and i'm looking at some specific listeners here we've got uh jimmy
0: donahue good listener Great. Sure. sure. Love him. I mean, I don't know. I like I assume that he listens well, but, you know.
1: <laughs> oh, you think he's just like washing his dishes, clanging around, v- running the
0: vacuum. I think he's on the subway <laughs> like, oh. listening to us. Okay. And uh, you know, he, he's like half listening, but like also like half like on guard for the weird germs on the subway, Sure, like, those well, that the makes New sense. York subway, is, you know. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Gross. So Fair enough.
1: Uh, 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 Emily Duncan, another recurrent listener. You know what? Do what do you want to be called, Emily? <laughs> I'm asking you. Probably, ma'am. <laughs> the Mammers. <laughs> Does oh. every do, do all our listeners want to be called ma'am?
0: <laughs> uh, yes, ma'am. Yeah, they're, they're probably neutral to okay with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, if I had any, any guess on the matter, Isn't but... a Cynthia
1: Rothrock movie. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, 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 Christy Valenti, who I've never met or talked to, really. I know you're a listener. You're also a Patreon. Love to hear from you. What do you think you should be called?
0: Uh, yeah, I guess I just hadn't thought about it that hard. I mean, you sprung it on me, and I'm not creative. Like, what's a boy to do? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to shock you. <laughs> it's okay. But yeah, uh, no, it'd be good. If we had a nickname for our listenership.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If our listeners want to chime in, go for it. If not, we'll just continue to ponder.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and come up with uh, the the first thing that comes to mind.
1: Yeah. So, wiggle arms. It is. <laughs> I don't want to waste too much time on our opening banter today, Matt, because we have a big movie to talk about today.
0: Before we do, I would like to bring up the uh, sordid topic of coin. Uh, Please do go to our Patreon and subscribe there. We have a lot of fun content, content that you would not normally find in our regularly broadcasted episodes. Downside of that, of course, is that there's a premium to these episodes where you can hear us talking about Tori Amos or Walter Mercado or, or, or the like. It will cost you one silver coin <laughs> to
1: listen to the special episodes. Is that your Isabella Rosalini? No, I was just some weird wizard woman. I was
0: quoting Isabella Rosalini, though. I
1: can't do an Isabella Rosalini. She's she's
0: unimpressionable. Uh, it's true. Like her father's Italian, her mother's Swedish. So that accent is just Good luck Without a region Oh damn it Johnny You know I love my big beef and cheddar She's fat in this movie You say she's fat in this movie? Fab Oh I was Fab. Gonna say she is
1: not You just gave me a look like she gave Meryl Streep When she said that she was 37 <laughs> oh,
0: 28 3 23 I am 71 years old
1: Today's movie is the gay camp
0: classic Death Becomes Her so, Jinx Monsoon has a documentary called Drag Becomes Him. Right. And if you watch that, there's a segment where Jared Coffer is putting on makeup, sort of becoming Jinx. hmm And it, it's sort of fun because they, they even talk about, like, you know, as more of the makeup comes on, they kind of become a little bit more cartoony, a little uh-huh. bit more, more liquidy in their movement. Okay. But they talk about Death Becomes Her. And like as Jarek is talking about it, uh, they're like, you know, the more I think about it, the more that was really inappropriate for me to watch as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have to say, I agree. This was a mainstay in the Fisher VCR growing up. I saw this movie in the theater. Oh, okay, yeah, no, I, 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 I was twelve. This was this was a blockbuster r- recurring rental for me. And I just think, like, what did my parents think oh, of me my God. loving this movie? <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I, I saw it in the theater, but I rented it
1: a bunch. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's something about the cover with, like, Meryl with her backwards head and, and Bruce Willis holding the candelabra through the hole mm-hmm. in Goldie Hawn that's just like, yeah, that's, <laughs> mm-hmm, I
0: pick that. <laughs> so, uh, in, in my... Um, developing stand-up routine where I rip off Jeff Foxworthy. But okay. instead of being you know Southern, it's uh, you know you're a gay kid in the 90s if. Okay. You know, you know you're know you a gay kid in the 90s if you saw a Shelley Long movie in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you're a gay kid in the 90s if the Dilophosaurus was your favorite dinosaur in Jurassic Park. Okay. And uh, you know you're a gay kid in the 90s if you watch Death Becomes Her more than once. <laughs> Here's the other thing. I
1: loved this movie when I saw it in the theater and then rented it a billion times. And I swear I showed it for friends as a kid. And I thought I was the only person who liked this movie for the longest time. And then somewhere in my late twenties, oh, I might've even been older than that. Someone wanted to watch it. Who was gay. And I was like, you like this movie? He's like, yeah, I love this movie. All gays love this movie. I was like, yeah. what? And he's like, yeah, it's basically a movie about drag Queens. Yeah. And I was like, A light bulb went on, and then I found out lots of gay people love this movie.
0: Most gay people love this movie. And
1: I was like, oh, my God, I feel so less alone suddenly after 15, 20-plus years of feeling alone.
0: I almost feel like this is sort of like a camp movie in an otherwise desert of camp. Mm -hmm. Like the 80s had a lot of camp with their shit musicals. And then, like, we started seeing camp sort of being revitalized by by connoisseurs of it. You know, I think even Todd Haynes puts camp in his movies. Pedro Almodovar, of course, puts oh, camp in his movies. Definitely. But, like, there's sort of a desert of camp of, like, the late 80s to the late 90s. And this is, like, the one oasis of, like, just unadulterated camp. Made by straight people. I know. It's I, bananas. This is our second Meryl feature, of course. Oh. But... Uh, it's her first Goldie Hawn movie, I That's believe. That's true. And comes... Also
1: an Academy Award winner, BTW.
0: Yeah. Uh, A, they they make some some crack in this movie that, you know, Goldie Hawn's 50. Right. And I looked it up, and she was like 47. So it wasn't that far off. Wow. She looks amazing. I know. <laughs> also, like Meryl Streep is around that age yeah, as She's well. in her 40s, definitely. Yeah, that she, movie. she's like, I, I looked it up, I think she's three years younger than Goldie Hawn. Uh, but also looks fabulous. What better way to tackle that like problematic
1: Hollywood actress zone of between young and fuckable and old and crony, right? To, Than to just like <laughs> between bombshell and Miss Daisy. Yeah, go head on, being like I'm an aging actress, mm-hmm. and like make fun of it. <laughs> I love it. I love that both of them were like.
0: All in. We're going for it. A couple months ago, there was something trending on Twitter where it was like, post the Playboy cover of your birth month. Okay. And uh, so I was like, I "I don't know if I'll post it, but I'll see what what my cover is. And uh, I loved it, so I did post it. And the cover was like Goldie Hawn in like a big martini glass. Nice. Uh, just like wearing like a, a one piece bathing suit or something like that. And I'm like, I love this. Yeah. And then it was a uh, uh, our spring book review featuring new works by Cormac McCarthy and Elmore Leonard. And I was oh my like, god! Jesus Christ! I have the <laughs> best cover. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Goldie Hawn. I mean, she's been acting since like the late '60s. I remember watching her on in on Nick at Night. Oh, I don't
1: know what's wrong with me. I keep forgetting things.
0: Well, how long have you had this problem? Problem. That's where she got her start. Just recently, there was that video of her trending of her on a trampoline, like oh. working out at home. Oh, my God. And it's just her jumping up and down,
1: pumping her arms. And let's not forget that she's been partnered to Kurt Russell for almost for
0: 40, years. 40 years. Forever. Like, I looked it up. I think it was like 81, 82 or something is when they started going out. Now, they're not married. They're not. But... Nope. Well, because they both had been married like a couple times. Yeah. yeah. So I think they Kate were just
1: Hudson, like is uh famously goldie hawn's daughter yeah from some dude named from Hudson. not kurt russell yeah not Kurt Russell. but anyway uh yeah but like they're they're one of those like i mean when uh Susan came and, out. and uh t- tim russell no uh tim robbins tim robbins when they broke up i was like does nothing mean anything anymore <laughs> and then i was like wait a minute but Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell are still together.
0: I've, I, I things. Mean they've been things. on the rocks before. Like I've heard they've had some, some separate time. But yeah, at the end of the day, it seems like they always kind of come back to one <sighs> another. Which eh, I don't know. There's something about like those two specifically because they, they have like a lot of personality. Like. Goldie Hawn is not short on, on charisma, mm-hmm. and neither is Kurt Russell in mm-hmm. my eyes. I fucking love Kurt Russell as yeah. an actor; they're amazing. Uh, so I don't know. There's something about just like those two sticking it out, and they they both I feel kind of have like the same level of popularity. I
1: was just gonna say the same thing. Yeah,
0: <laughs> totally did a <Olympus> wrist there. <laughs>
1: they're like, oh, they're both kind of riding that like midwave. They're they're warm
0: but never hot.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> I love them.
0: I love them together. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. Good stuff with those two. And we got we got Meryl Streep doing comedy. How often does she do comedy? So I was. this movie is a couple years after uh, Defending Your Life. And I just kind of think that I was like, okay, Meryl Streep, she like won her Oscars. And then there was a time in the late 80s, early 90s, she was like, I want to like let my hair down and have fun we with acting. We haven't done it yet, but she devils she in devil. that room. Yeah. In that zone, too. Yep, and absolutely. Put a pin in that. I'm probably going to do that
1: one someday. <laughs>
0: But, like, this, Defending Your Life, She-Devil, like, there was, like, a, a period of time. With, we talk about this with a lot where it's, like, you know, Michael Keaton says his favorite role is Beetlejuice. Like oh, his, yeah. His okay. favorite role of his own. And you're, like, how boring would it be if he said Spotlight? I know. And I kind of feel like, you know, Meryl Street, like, she might, like, hold a lot of pride for Sophie's Choice or the Iron Lady or something like that. But it's, like, what does she, like, look back on most fondly? Like, it's probably something like this. I hope so. Like... We, and we talk
1: about how it's like, you know, comedy actors can do drama, but it's like, it's really hard to see a drama actor do comedy. She can do it. Yeah. Then she, this is the example I'm
0: pointing to because <laughs> she's fucking hilarious in this movie. The way that they sort of like put on their like persona to like greet each other.
1: <laughs> Mad
0: <laughs> hell. <laughs> they both, before
1: they greet each other, they have to like put on a face. Yeah. And get, get ready into the moment. Oh, adjust their wardrobe a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's great. It's, it's so, so good. I don't know. I just. I mean, there's so many lines that I took down that I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. I love this. I love this. I Love this. Most of them, Meryl's. Like, I love now a warning. I love when she gets just before that when she gets stabbed with the sword. <laughs> There's so many. We'll get to to, to a bunch of, but it's like, it's like Meryl can do comedy. Oh, and she does it well. I'm so surprised she doesn't do it more often because it's like, she's
0: good at it. Doesn't get them awards, man. (sighs) You don't, you, you don't win Oscars for comedies. It's too bad because she's, she's funny. We haven't even talked about Bruce Willis yet,
1: but, like, unrecognizable, but also equally hilarious.
0: Yeah, it's odd to go back and watch a Bruce Willis movie from this era because Bruce Willis has been on autopilot for so long. Yeah. You know, we think of him now as, like, the, the you know, rough-and-tumble action star, but it's, like, he got his start as, like, a romantic lead in Moonlighting. And, like, even when they made Die Hard people were like, oh, Bruce Willis can't do that. He's not an action star. He's a, a, a rom-com the guy. The comedy guy, yeah. Uh, I mean, he proved them all wrong with that movie, but uh, he was still kind of typecast a little bit. Like, his action trajectory didn't take off immediately, necessarily.
1: Yeah. I mean, the only other movie we've done with him on the podcast is The Fifth Element, which kind of blends comedy and action. Very
0: much so, yeah. And so... Oh, this- we did Pulp Fiction.
1: Oh, that's true. And another one where he's kind of funny, but also Mm action-y. But like this one, like nothing but comedy. And he, A... He doesn't look like Bruce Willis. I have trouble seeing Bruce Willis in yeah, this role. Yeah, because this
0: movie predates Pulp Fiction, if I remember correctly, or is oh, right yeah, around definitely. the same time. It's like two years before. So. And in Pulp Fiction, like we were both like hot under the collar for him a little bit. I and I not, am not hot under the collar They joke for this. about it.
1: They're like, they're like uh, uh, Goldie Hawn. Uh, Helen is just like...
0: Oh, Ernest, don't be angry
1: with me. I'm fighting this as hard as I can. But just look at you. It's, like, him flat on the couch <laughs> looking, like, gross and flobbly And you're just like, mm, I don't know about that. But, uh, he, but like, just, like, his delivery on so many lines. He knows when it's, like, time for him to make a funny and he does it. Like, I love when uh, he's trying to find Madeline after she's been, like, taken to the morgue. And, and the, the doctor's like. She's
0: dead, sir. They took her to the morgue. The morgue?
1: Should be furious. I don't want to say he's an underrated character because I think now with the renewed appreciation of this movie that's been blossoming in the past like five ten years or whatever it is like people do recognize him as an important part of this movie but I know that it's easy to also just like focus on Golding Hawn and Meryl Streep yeah so like just don't forget that he's there too doing his best and there's one more person we haven't talked about yet but maybe we'll We'll come back to her, but, like...
0: Okay, sure. Well, I was just gonna say, like, when I watch this now in sort of, like, a post-drag race world, mm. like, and I see how much, like, uh, Natalyn and Helen, like, read each other. Mm. And, you know, like, they go to the book party and uh, uh, Meryl Streep thinks she sees Goldie Haunts like... Oh, looks as though she's lost a few pounds. And then it's, like, the reveal to, like actual Goldie Uh Hawn. He's fabulous. uh, And like, Goldie Hawn, if you haven't seen this movie, kind of looks like the female gremlin in Gremlins 2. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sans the skin, of course. That's a compliment. (laughs) Yeah. But it's just like that cattiness. There's something about movies where women fight that like gay men seem to really be gravitate towards your, your show is your black swans. Like sure. this like fits right into that. Yeah. They're backhanded compliments they're they, I mean, they're practically voguing at, at each other in certain points. Yeah.
1: I read a lot about like w- why it is a gay camp classic. And I mean, nothing was convincing for me necessarily. <laughs> it's just like, a lot of like what you just said women fighting also just like women just acknowledging their petty their petty differences and like i don't know i i don't know what i'm trying to say but it's like it's it's it really takes ladies seriously in
0: a campy way somehow I don't know Yeah if that makes I, sense. I think because like gay men like especially young gay men feel that they, they can't express themselves outside of like sni or clever or witty comments and like that's exactly what these women are doing mm-hmm. so it's like we kind of feel seen a little bit in this movie like they're speaking our language a little bit. Yeah well and like I mean I love black comedy and that's what this and, movie is And then is, of course so you put like, in like macabre violence and comedy into it then you're really Sort of reaching deep into that camp yeah. barrel, I mean, and
1: especially like, I guess, also like when you think of the way they dress, like, I just like <laughs> so. You mentioned earlier, uh, did you mention RuPaul's Drag Race yet? Yeah, okay, so you mentioned RuPaul's Drag Race one season, they did like a Death Becomes Her runway challenge, okay, and I watched it. Very underwhelming, oh. ladies. You blew it. I'm just saying, whoever had to do that. Because it was like, there's so much to pull from, especially just as specifically the movie. Like, the costumes throughout the movie are so drag iconic. Like, there's there's so many things you could have done. Mm-hmm. Nobody wore a beret. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> okay. And Goldie Hawn sneaking in with the beret and the, like, cigarette pants and the jacket with the red top. Sure. Just do that with a bullet hole in your head and you're done. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why they struggled with that challenge. But um, <laughs> uh-huh. I'm just saying, like, the costumes are so – they're so iconic. Did anyone wear a
0: necklace completely covering their boots? Oh, my God. No!
1: No one did an Isabella Rossellini look, which – what the fuck? That's I mean, an easy one.
0: That might be the most iconic look. I definitely remember I was watching this movie and a friend of my mom's came over and – and was sort of, like, half watching it, like, while her and my mom were, like, doing whatever it is that, that, that you know, <laughs> well, older ladies Nat did. five-year-old Matt has, yeah. like, a, Yeah, <laughs> as has Death Becomes the blo- Her on. blockbuster
1: video on. Uh-huh. Uh,
0: and I just remember my mom's friend kind of, like, stopped in her conversation and just goes, is she wearing a bra? <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> and I was, like, and, like, I-, I wasn't supposed to be listening to their conversation, but, like, I could hear them, like, pause... My mom's friend looked at Isabella Rossellini and was like, okay, that's what he's watching. Yeah, Isabella Rossellini (laughs) is the other person we haven't talked about
1: who's in this movie, and she's fantastic. Oh (laughs) Oh my God, she's so good in this.
0: Make some room for my friend, for Christ's sake. But, keep your ass handy. Perfect casting, because... Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep are sort of classic Hollywood beauty. Sure. You know, like, they're the ones that that you would put on, like, the cover of magazines or, or, you know, Variety or something like that. Well, in
1: classic Hollywood love. They both were Academy Award winners at that point. They've been doing, like... Plenty of Hollywood shit up until this point. And I feel
0: like, you know, Isabella Rosalini has a uh, to put it in uh in friends term, an international quality to her. <laughs> okay. Like she doesn't seem like she's cut necessarily from the same cloth as these ladies. And so it like, has is Hollywood credit. Like, oh, definitely, definitely. But like her accent, her look, she's a little bit more exotic. You know, it it just looks like she kinda comes from a different world than Goldie and Meryl do so. It's like her look is sort of a, a breath of fresh air, a little bit. It's like yeah. a they get all the hair colors right. Meryl's a blonde, Goldie's a redhead, and then uh, uh, Isabella with her dark brunette. I mean,
1: did um, did that go fast? Did that top remind you of the second dress that Peter Van Kant wears? <laughs> because yeah. it was the only thing I could think of. <laughs>
0: okay, <laughs> was like beaded, barely covering her boobs. Top. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like if I was a drag queen or if I were a drag queen and I was trying to replicate something inspired by this, like, I think the Isabella Rosalini dress would be like the thing that I'd go for. Well,
1: and then she has that later look with the big, like, hood oh thing. Oh, my like, God. Jesus,
0: there's a million looks you could do, <laughs> ladies. I mean, go watch that runway. It's embarrassing. It's very sad. Oh. It also helps that there's so much attention to their bodies in this. Oh, sure. Like, when Meryl takes the potion... Oh, and, yeah. like, she's looking in the mirror, and, like, her butt tucks up. And, and I mean, boobs. what sells it is that it's one at a time. Like, yeah. one butt cheek and then the other. It's not that they both tighten. And, that, and like, the boob just, you know, curls yeah. in, and then the other one does, too. It's like, that's comedy. Yeah. Like, the fact that one boob tightens before the other, that's funny. Like, that's all you needed to make this funny. I know. It's Augment hilarious. Augment the timing.
1: Yeah, and she's wearing that beautiful off- blue um, oh that's sort of like tealish teal, yeah light jump jumpsuit I don't know what you yeah. call it but like yeah yeah and then later when she falls down gets pushed down the stairs she's wearing like a, just a full black leotard look with that like pink yeah uh overlay Shawl. yeah and you're just like god these that's
0: so easy I know their looks in this are crazy <laughs> it's just it's really bananas that like Like, I think it, you know, uh, we haven't talked about the director. Bobby Z, Robert Zemeckis. Ah, We've already done two of his movies. uh, Just virtuoso director, if there ever was one. Mm, This movie won the Academy Award for Best Special Effects. Thank God. I mean, hello. Uh, So, I think we talked about this with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but it's like Robert Zemeckis, like, leans into the challenges. There's a lot of stuff, especially concerning, like, the hole in Goldie Hawn's body, where I'm just like they didn't have to do the shot this way. Like there's the one where they're like fighting with the shovels while like the firelight is like casting their shadows. And you can see the whole like as she's moving around. I'm like, they didn't have to do this. I feel like Robert Zemeckis is just like, I can do this trick. And all you other like special effects filmmakers are gonna be like, how did he do that?
1: Well, and specifically there's one I still am confused on. Uh, while they're fighting, the shovel breaks. Meryl Streep throws her through so the good. hole. <laughs> so Golden good. Han. She's like, yes, no, oh, damn. And yeah. then later, when they're having their like heart-to-heart, and Golding Han sits down, she sits down in a way
0: so that the, the, the spear of the thing goes through the hole in her it's butt. It's a CG. It's like,
1: yeah, but it moves, and it lo- it just looks so yeah, real. it's
0: so convincing. And
1: I'm like, I still what 28 years later i'm
0: like what back when like cg was not a a a tried and true science like it is today and
1: and i'm not gonna say it's flawless throughout the movie but that one
0: in particular i'm like how do you do it i I mean still
1: i'm confused
0: there was it was right after uh uh bruce willis calls goldie hahn and uh meryl gets up and her head's turned around backwards and she's walking around Oh, love that and like you know her head's turned all the way around and it's like you see her face and you can tell that it's like a cg face on like some sort of stunt body you know yeah um but i'm like you know what in in terms of like where cg is this is pretty good but there's little things. It's like Robert Zemeckis had to take it a little step further because she sits down at the piano and you can see her reflection in a mirror that's sitting on the piano. So it's like yeah. Meryl Streep's face is like on, like is CG'd onto this body, but then you also see her face reflected in the mirror. So it's like you're getting like different perspectives of the same focal point in one shot. I'm like that like. It's so ah like, and, it's so hard just thinking about that. Well, and like
1: I wanna give some credit to Meryl Streep for that too, because like her facial expressions and the way she kind of looks around while the body's moving really sells it.
0: I just have to make a telephone call. <laughs> I just have to make a telephone call.
1: Even though watching it from a like technical standpoint i can see the strings i don't care because i'm i was laughing during that scene because i was like this is hilarious like the way it, it's probably meryl doing the body stuff i'm assuming and then later she did the the face stuff but sure. like the way the body's gangly and moving around and then her like oh you're gonna get it i'm gonna call <laughs> yeah i'm calling now yeah like, her, there's like confusion but also like anger and just, I don't know, there's something about the way she sells it too that like it doesn't matter that it's not flawless mm-hmm. to me, like I just I'm i am here for it, yeah I'm, oh, yeah, I'm laughing the whole way.
0: Well like when Goldie gets the hole blown through her and Meryl's like, you're a fraud Helen you're a walking lie and I can see right through you <laughs> Iconic, I love it. It's so good, it's just like Robert Zemeckis really leans into the stuff like he doesn't have to do. They seem like they would be very hard logistically, but like that's what he takes pleasure in almost. Yeah. Now that I think about it, both
1: Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep have jokes about them like dying and coming back to life because Meryl's is. Ernest,
0: you pushed me down the stairs.
1: And then later, when Goldie Hawn comes back, she's like, "Look at me, Ernest. Just look at me. I'm soaking wet." You always think it's going to be like you killed me. Yeah. But it's it's the other thing. Yeah. Like I noticed a lot of like mirroring in that way, like okay. like we said earlier how they were like both Helen and Madeline like did rehearsal before they would meet each other. Um and then there were there were a couple others, but like that's another one where it's like watching this time I noticed a lot of like how tight the script is. There are a lot of like parallels between Madeline and
0: Helen to show that, like, they're the same, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, the the play that they go to see at the beginning like, oh, Songbird, uh, <laughs> a, a musical a version, version of Sweet, Sweet Bird of Youth. Of Youth <laughs> which I don't know if you've ever seen Sweet Bird of Youth, but it's about an aging movie star, it's a Tennessee Williams play. Yeah. Uh, oh, quick aside, am I wrong for thinking that that musical seemed okay? I, I, I was kind of digging that, that first number oh, where it oh, yeah. was walking out. I don't know. I was maybe i just have bad taste in musicals because you know i like the apple yeah that's your favorite musical <laughs> yeah, exactly You're like well uh but like people are walking out of songbird and i'm like what what's not to like <laughs> <laughs> come on guys give it a chance ooh-wah, ooh-wah.
1: <laughs> i i want to say so the the playbill of songbird oh, has yeah. that like picture of meryl streep and that is the greatest picture she could have taken for it. It's the fakest smile. just. And then that picture shows up like three or four more times in the movie. And like every time it came up, I was just like, wow, she really like knows her face and knows how to be like, ah. Ah. it is
0: the fakest smile. I love it. So I, I, mean, I, I, I did the timeline hilarious. of this movie. The movie starts out in 1978. Right flash forward seven years and then you know flash forward again like after the the climax of the movie's 22 year so we're, we're we're still like seven years from their funeral right 2029 yeah but I'm looking forward I'm hoping that that social media will light up with on this day it will it was uh, 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 Bruce Willis's funeral in Death Becomes Her I don't like the ending of this movie when they fall down the stairs yeah I don't like I don't like the way it ends
1: oh <gasps> I was honestly like watching it this time. I was like, I'm really on board for this movie until I think until Bruce Willis doesn't take the potion. And I understand. There's not a lot after that. I know, but I understand that that's like it's all logical. It all like makes sense. Well, then I guess he, he
0: falls through the glass and survives. Um, and for
1: some reason the movie just feels not as fun at that point.
0: I mean, you only got like 5 minutes left in the movie at that point.
1: I don't know. I just like I I heard, I read that there are that there were like 5 or 6 different endings that they filmed for this movie and they and Robert Zemeckis wanted to go with this one cuz it was the darkest one. Okay. And they still haven't released the other endings of this. And I'm like, release the other endings. Because one of them had Tracy Ullman. Oh, really? Yeah, and she's in... Because she's in the trailer, but they decided not to use that one. And I'm like, well, what is that ending? I don't know. And so... It makes me feel like he's embarrassed that he chose the ending he did. Like he's too worried about like people liking other endings better. And like I don't mm-hmm. hate I don't hate the ending of this movie. It just feels like I love this movie, but it always leaves me with such an empty feeling at the end. And I'm like I just wanted a little something else.
0: Yeah, I think thematically it would make more sense for him to have died like when he fell. Yeah, I mean that is his big moral quandary. Is like he can take the potion and live, or he can fall to his death. But instead, he falls and he lives. So like, and
1: then he gets another like forty years of life or yeah. whatever.
0: Yeah, and so yeah, I, I think it would make more sense for him to have fallen and died, and maybe something because the the idea is they go to his funeral and it's like at 50 he had a renewed sense of life and yeah. like met the love and had more had children and they had children Maybe that's and- it is
1: like I feel like the movie's so dark and sh- and hating on life that to give it this like
0: life is is great ending like maybe it would have been better if he died but people misremembered him as like this spirit and like you know th- this joy and this beacon of light yeah. where like and but like Meryl and Goldie are like that wasn't him Yeah, at all. right. he was a boozer he was flaccid flaccid watch
1: what you flaccid. say Mella. I don't have to take this anymore I don't have to take this any longer when I think of what I love in a dark comedy I like I always turn to happiness because I think that's the best dark comedy ever made okay and that movie doesn't let anybody escape. True. Sure. You know, like everybody is subject to this dark comedy. Yeah. And Ernest gets away. Like yeah. he gets out of this and like, it loses me at that moment. Like, I don't think he, I think he needs to suffer just like everybody else. If I'm watching a black comedy, everyone gets to suffer and he yeah. doesn't. Yeah. He eventually gets like a redemption. And yeah. I, I don't like that.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree with you there a little bit. Like, I knew that it ended with them falling down the steps. Right. Which that itself is fine. But there is like a little deflation that he falls and he lives and he gets away where it's like he's kind of having his cake and eating it too. Where it's like if he had fallen and died and then there was some sort of ironic ending that like, you know, in death... People suddenly appreciated him more than when he was alive. And uh, he's a bigger celebrity than either of them. And they're doomed to live forever. Uh, but in relative obscurity, while the person who chose death will live on in people's minds and memories. I would almost
1: even appreciate like him drinking the potion, falling, surviving, taking off to Tahiti or something, and then... Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep find him and then they lift their veils up and like time to fix us Ernest or okay. something like end on that note okay. something along those lines like I just I, I feel like he gets out of it and that, he, didn't,
0: he didn't do any work that that, that he doesn't uh, deserve it Yeah,
1: and I just and, and especially in a dark comedy like this no one should be spared sure and that's okay that's okay because i still love this movie i still think so many good things to say
0: you want to know what m- part of this movie probably impresses me the absolute most yes it's like goldie Hawn's like trying to sneak in to the compound i know what you're going to say i already know what you're going to say <laughs> and the car uh... it run- <laughs> almost runs her over like the car backs up within mere inch less than she a moves foot. She rolls out of frame, the car backs up and the camera moves with it and it's like less than a foot away from her head. Like, she rolls away from it. She's like, oh shit. Yeah. It's gonna hit me. And when I watched it last night, I was like, oh, the hair's obscuring her face. Like she rolled out of frame. They switched her with a stunt double, but then the car drives away and she brushes the hair back and it's Goldie Hawn. I know.
1: I had the same thought. I was like, well, that's a stunt double. And it's not. I it's mean, hard. even if it was a stunt double, that stunt double almost gets run over. I, When I was watching it, I was thinking like, oh, the car didn't stop soon enough. So she rolled away. And professional that she is, <laughs> she pulls back up and is like i'm fine yeah like you almost got run over it really looks tire
0: over the face like a car tire came within three inches of running you over and she just brushes her hair back and she's like all right let's go no i'm with you that was harrowing i really like watching it even closely i'm like how did they do this safely that's the sort of scene
1: that, like, insurance agents are like, you're not allowed to do this <laughs> <Yeah>. scene. <laughs> you cannot, for insurance reasons, I'm just thinking do this. of all the
0: people who died in, like, the Twilight Zone movie and, like, other people who have, like, died on set. And I'm like, Goldie Hahn almost died while you were filming her. I know.
1: It's crazy.
0: Or at least that's what it looks like.
1: Maybe she was just like, yeah, death becomes me. I'm a, This is the movie I'm doing.
0: Pooh. I hope the paycheck was nice.
1: I mean... It's crazy. Question. Mm-hmm. Goldie Hawn gets yeah. in a fat suit for this yeah. movie. Yeah. And I know that in that time period, played for laughs, but I would like to say
0: convincing fat suit. She looks- Very much so. Like, usually fat suits look like Jiminy Glick to me. Yeah. Even in something like where the fat suit believability, like 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 the movie hinges on it, like thinner or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Like, the fat suit in the song, like, you know what? That's what she would look like if she gained 100 pounds. Did you look up the
1: makeup person for this? No. It's Dick Smith. Dick Smith from The Exorcist. Oh, is it really? Yes. Boy, he does good work, he doesn't does he? He does great work. That man
0: How many Oscars does he have because <laughs> I don't, he, he know. deserves a billion. He's great at makeup. God, because I mean, all right, flashback to our episode on The Exorcist where we were talking about how convincing Max von Sydow looks because the way that he looks in The Exorcist is how he actually looked when he got to, like, seventy-eight years know. old. And so, yeah, oh, man. Makes total sense. I, I mean, Robert Zemeckis was like, we need, like... If I'm going to direct this, <laughs> I need the best makeup person in the in the in the biz, in the industry on this. And that makes total sense. Where is Dick Smith's documentary? I'm serious, <laughs> man. He does great makeup work. You know, we give a lot of credit to, to like makeup and gore effects, your Rick Baker's, your Tom Savini's, uh, other people, I, I'm sure. <laughs> Where's your Dick Smith documentaries? I'm telling you, I don't think we're singing enough songs about Dick Smith. <laughs> I mean, especially because of like how much attention is drawn to age, faces, bodies, things like that. You know, Meryl Streep's like looking at her crow's eyes so intently. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and and so like you're aging age, and de aging. Yeah. People like these movie. things are hugely important in the movie. Yeah, and
1: he just he knocks it out of the park. Real good. Yeah. Dick yeah. Smith. Also, we haven't talked about it. Alan Silvestri did the score. Oh, of course. Of course. Favorite of this
0: podcast. Also worked
1: with Robert Zemeckis a lot.
0: Yeah. But like, this is great- On Back to the Future and Who Framed Roger
1: Rabbit. I mean, also Fly the Navigator, one of oh, my favorites. Oh, right, Of course. Uh, did the theme for The Avengers. If you haven't listened to anything we've talked about about him before. He's a great composer and- Industry darling. I mean, the beginning of this movie, that- i mean i'm immediately in the zone for this movie sure i love the opening music for this movie you
0: remember how back when we did uh we need to talk about kevin uh i'm sorry there's something about kevin thank you and i was like this was the wrong movie to watch on a sunday night Uh i was like because like i you know i already had like the sunday sads and like this movie just did not help Death becomes was like the anti. there's something about Kevin. <laughs> Good. Because <laughs> it's like I also watched it. It was like 9, 9:30 pm. on a Sunday. And instead of like being bummed out, I was just transported to this <laughs> wonderful fantasy world. <laughs> just escaped for 103 minutes. Ugh. Okay, we're
1: podcasters of a certain age, and we're gay. And so, this is sort of like a Brokeback Mountain thing where it's like, we're going to cover this movie at some mm, point. Okay. If you're of a certain age and you're a movie podcaster, <laughs> you're going to do this movie. You have to.
0: And I also kind of feel that like, if you're a, a different generation, like if if you were born in like 95 or later, yeah, you might not even know this movie. It's not... <sighs> really celebrated outside of a certain generation oh you think i mean i think a certain generation celebrates it quite a bit but i don't think this gets respect from say the olds i don't think like francis ford coppola has been like this is the the best movie that robert zemeckis has ever made
1: yeah well he made twix so fuck that guy
0: (laughs) (laughs) and then and maybe it's just a, a age gap for me but i also just don't feel like a younger generation is celebrating this movie in the same way. So like, I think it's that our generation can claim ownership over it. Like we were the right age when it came out, the right temperament for it. And it has sort of a a hidden meaning that like was hard to share with other people at the time. So it kind of became like a special secret movie for us. Yeah. Can I tell you another quote that I really love from this movie? Absolutely.
1: I love the part when uh, Meryl Streep blows Goldie Hawn away. Yeah. And Bruce Willis comes in and goes, She's dead!
0: She is. <gasps> These are the moments that make life worth living. It's good slapstick, too. Like, Goldie Hawn gets jettisoned. <laughs> and, like, the splash is big. Yeah. Ah! Oh, my God! There was a time when, like, Robert Zemeckis was, like, the greatest virtuoso director he got that sweet academy money and uh it was all downhill from there
1: he's like i got my director's oscar yeah i'm done
0: yeah sad sad little little fall off there but but we have this (laughs) we do have have this this and back to the future and who framed roger rabbit and uh you can't unmake those movies at this point no they're out there We love him to death. And this will probably be our last Robert Zemeckis unless Forrest Gump comes up on our AFI roulette. Yeah, I guess we've been doing this podcast long enough that it's like, we have exhausted some directors, potentially. It's okay. We, I think we. you mentioned it at
1: some point that, like, Robert Zemeckis has three great movies. Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and Death Becomes Her. Now we've done all three. I mean, how many more
0: Frank Oz movies are we going to do?
1: We are done with Frank <laughs> Oz. I'm not doing Dirty Rotten Scoundrels.
0: Are oh, you? Really? I remember that being, being all right. I mean, I don't know if I'd choose is it. Is it podcast worthy? I, You know, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Great. What are we doing next week? Uh, a movie that I haven't seen in a very long time. Is it Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? It's not. <laughs> it's, um, I mean, it can be if you want to twist my arm into it. But um, no, this is one I actually don't remember if it's even good. Okay, But it's just one that I've had a hankering to rewatch. And I'm like, what better venue to reassess an opinion than uh, on the podcast here?
1: Well, we're in the dregs of summer. Like, this is usually when studios release their shit, so...
0: And I want to do something that sort of uh, exemplifies summer, but also sort of uh, signifies its closing, as this is a coming out you know near the tail end of summer yeah mid to late august yeah um so i'm gonna do near dark this is a catherine bigelow movie no i've always wanted to watch this movie i've never seen it so uh it's it's been a solid 18 years since i've seen this one okay 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 okay. um and for some reason it got into my head a couple weeks ago and i'm like i really want to watch that again cool yeah
1: Cool, cool cool excited never
0: seen it and we haven't done a vampire movie ever we've talked about how vampires always get the auteur treatment but have we never actually done a vampire movie wow all right well next week near dark and you can't say this film sucks <laughs> <laughs> fair so uh plug our junk get the fuck out of here hey everybody if you enjoy this content that you're getting
1: for free why don't you uh chuck us over some dollars on our patreon because mm-hmm. you know what you're not just getting this free shit when you do that you get all the patreon content that we make mm-hmm. and our patreon content
0: we brag it's really good though hmm otherwise you can always leave us love your your uh Apple Podcasts, your Stitchers, your Overcasts, your wherever you get podcasts for free. It's a wonderful free way to support
1: us. We love all our reviews. (laughs) When you leave one, it's the best. And it Um, makes us, it just makes us feel great.
0: And uh, all else fails, reach out and uh, 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 touch us um, uh, with (laughs) email, x.rated.movies at gmail.com, Twitter uh, xratedmovies. And Facebook, at RatedXMovies. We also
1: have an amazing website where you can listen to everything that we have at xratedmovies.com. You can't get everything on pod players because Squarespace is weird about that. But you can get everything that we've ever made on our website, xratedmovies.com.
0: And there's lots of good, fun stuff there. And uh, until then, next week, near dark. Keep reaching for that rainbow.